there is this need, this tremendous desire, this craving, if you will, to be liked and admired. We want people to think highly of us. We long for that. And you know, it's interesting and amazing to me to see what lengths people will go to to get people to like them. People will change their hair. People will change the way they dress. People will change the way they talk. People will change their body. People will change the home they live in. In fact, many people try to live in a certain area of town to try to impress others because they want status and they want to make sure they find favor with other people. People get a great education. Some people will even go so far as doing drugs. That's one of the number one reasons people do drugs is because they want their peers to think highly of them. Many people that I know got their start drinking because they wanted people to like them. We have a national epidemic today in the United States of anorexia and bulimia. Why? Because people want to be liked. And many people that I know of personally, including myself, went to bed with someone because we wanted to be liked. We wanted others to think well of us. We wanted to be in. We know that the world around us dictates those terms. It's very clear that if you are good looking and if you are attractive, if you are affluent and rich, if you have a good education and a good job, if you drive the right car, and if you have the right personality, and you have talents, hey, we like you. We're going to like you, and we're going to let you in in our circle, but we also know every single one of us that if you don't possess some of those qualities, you're just out of luck. You're just out of luck. You think about the people we admire today in America. Many of them aren't worth admiring at all. I'm not going to name any names. But you think about the people that we see on television or the people that we see in the public eye. And we could go down the list one after another. They're admired and envied because they're good looking and they're beautiful and they have money and they have power. But once you get past that, they're very shallow, they're very empty. Now, as true as this all is and may seem, there is a principle, there is a secret that makes all of these other things irrelevant. It makes them all irrelevant. I want to share with you a true story about a man who lived some time ago. This man was, by human standards, very ordinary. And as far as looks go, he's very plain looking. He was not handsome at all. He had no formal education and never been to college, any of our universities. And he had no money. He was not rich at all. In fact, when he finally did die, he died with next to nothing. And he came from a very poor and a very insignificant family. But this man possessed the most precious possession in the world. He possessed the most precious quality in the world. And that was his ability to love. He loved like no one has ever loved before. 
He reached out to other individuals. He gave of himself continually, day after day. He felt compassion for the needs of others. He felt what they felt. He cared about what they cared about. All of his focus was on others. This man, people responded to him so well that he could not even eat a meal because the people by the thousands would clamber around his home. You think Elvis was popular. He couldn't even begin to attract the attention that this man has. This one man changed the course of human history. This one insignificant man, because of his ability to love. And if you haven't already guessed it, that man was Jesus Christ. He lived. He's not a myth. He wasn't fiction. He's reality. Do you know what's astounding about this man? Just to put this in perspective for you, he lived from his time he was first unveiled till the time he died. He lived three years. And in three years, this man, without money, without power, without education, without status, without good looks, without everything that you think you need, and that the world tells us we need, He shook the world. And the world has never been the same. And He is the most loved and well-liked figure of all human history. Billions since He lived and died have loved Him and died loving Him. People responded to Jesus because Jesus loved them first. Jesus knew how to love. And because he knew how to love, he's the greatest individual that's ever lived. Now, if you will learn how to love, you will become great. You will become great if you will learn how to love. You can become a person that other people will like, that they will admire, that they will want to be around, and they will enjoy your company if you learn love. You might be asking yourself, Mark, how do I know people are going to like me if I, if I love them? I mean, how do I know? I mean, that's pretty risky. Let me share with you two very simple reasons, but they're very profound and you don't ever want to forget them. They're two secrets about people. The first one is this. The number one human need that all of us share in this room, that's a common denominator and everyone out there in society shares with us, is the need to be loved, accepted, appreciated, and noticed. Do you know that if you'll be honest with yourself this morning, many of us, you see, we say, no, Mark, that isn't me. That's not true. You're not being honest with yourself. You've learned to put up defense mechanisms. You've learned that because you haven't been liked, you're no longer going to even think about it, and I don't even care about it, but deep down inside, you really care about it. And if I'm honest with myself, I really care about it. Do you know this? If you fulfill that need in others, they will become addicted to the source, and that is you. They will love you back. They will like you back. They will admire you because you love them first. That's the first reason. You don't ever want to forget it. It's true about human nature. Human beings long to be loved. They long to be accepted. They long to be noticed and appreciated. 
And the second reason is that the greatest quality that we admire in others is love. How do I know this? In a study done by Psychology Today about a year ago, they surveyed a vast quantity of people. 90% of the people that they surveyed made this statement. The greatest quality of an ideal man is that he is loving and caring. Now, isn't that interesting? In affluent America, that deep down inside, everyone really wants the same thing. The greatest quality would be that people know how to love, because that's what people want. But you know, the Bible said that a long time ago. In Proverbs, where it says, what is desirable in a man is unfailing love. In Matthew, it says this. The measure, your care for others, is the measure of your greatness. Your care and love for others is the measure of your greatness. Just emphasize to you how important love is. I want to share with you a perspective from the Bible found in 1 Corinthians 13. I'll just share it with you. It says this. If I speak in the tongue of men and angels, but I don't have love, I am a loud gong and an obnoxious noise. And if I have all wisdom and all knowledge and I understand all the mysteries of the world, and if I have faith that moves mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. And if I give all of I, that I possess to the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned at the stake, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Now, what is God trying to say to us? He's trying to say this. You might be the greatest speaker, the greatest communicator that ever walked the planet. You might know a thousand languages. You might understand the greatest scientific mysteries of our age. And you might even discover the cure for AIDS. You might be rich and you might give all that you have to the homeless and to the needy. But I want to tell you something, friend. If you don't live a lifestyle of love, you in God's book are a zero. You're nothing. You're absolutely nothing and you gain nothing. Love is the greatest quality in the world to possess. And without love, no matter what else you have going for you right now, my friends, it doesn't mean a hill of beans. It doesn't mean a thing. Now, superficially, it may mean a lot. But in reality, it doesn't mean a thing. You see the secret? Remember that secret principle? The secret principle that I'm talking about to being a person that other people like and admire is found in your ability to love others. To love others. About eight years ago, I was going on my merry way in life. I was pursuing the ministry. I was a father, two children, wife, a house, two jobs. And I was going to do great things for God. And one day, I considered myself a people person, a loving, kind type of an individual. I got a phone call one night from a friend, close friend. I said, Mark, can I come over and talk? 
It was right in between my two jobs. I had about an hour. And I said, sure. I was being loving, see. And I thought for sure he was coming over for my counsel and advice. So I was available. So he came over, <clears throat> sat in the living room. I could tell he was real fidgety, real nervous. So I thought he probably had some heart thing to, you know, share with me. And something that was difficult, some hidden secret. He said, Mark, he said, I, this is really hard for me. I, I really don't know what to say. I said, well, why don't you just say what you're feeling? <clears throat> what a mistake. <laughs> he said, Mark, he said, you're about the most unloving person I know. You're self-centered. You're not considered, and you're very difficult to work with. Well, inside my first instinct was to smack him in the mouth. Which proved his point, obviously, didn't it? True love there, turning the other cheek and all that stuff. And then all these other feelings rushed to my aid to try to defend myself. I wasn't opening my mouth. There's all the things that were going on in my mind. And I thought, well, no, I'll just act loving and listen. So I listened. I felt like someone was just ripping my heart in half. He left. I had to go to work. I went to work that night. I thought I was having a nightmare. And I could not get off my mind what he had shared with me. Pretty soon it dawned on me, it wasn't him talking to me at all, it was God. And God started saying to me, Mark, you listen to what he's telling you. Because I can't do a thing with you. Unless this gets through your thick skull. You do not know how to love. Oh, what do you mean, God? I'm loving you. Hey, Mark, what do you like with your wife, man? You are so self-seeking, it's pathetic. And every wrong that she's ever done, you remember, and every time you get into one of those discussions, you bring it up. You take account of every wrong that's ever been suffered. You're not polite. And you could care less about her opinion. It doesn't really matter to you. You see, Mark, I see your private life. I see your hidden life. And I know you better than you think. Well, that was the hardest night in my life. I never had a night harder than that since or before. That was the hardest. It also was the night that changed my life forever. I thought, all right, God. All right, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. But you've got to help me. You got to give me some light here, Lord. And so I began just to ponder what had been shared with me. And I thought, well, I'll read a little before what he shared with me. And I came to this and said, and now I will show you the most excellent way. The most excellent way. And then I read to the last part of the passage and it said, now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. And the very next passage says, now make love your greatest aim. Make love your great quest. Make love your all-out life pursuit. So, eight years ago, I began, at that night, I reprioritized my whole life. See, my whole life was I got to be a good speaker. I got to be a man of this, of faith. Oh, I've got to be, you know, uh, look right and be right. So I put on my cloak of love each day when I'd go outside. But the Lord knew what I lived like inside, every day. What my lifestyle was. And quite frankly, people didn't respond to me very well. Well, as a result of that, God began to excite me about this very fact. And that is this. 
Mark, I don't need your talents. Mark, I don't need you to be Mr. Educated. I don't need you to be Mr. Good Looking. I don't need you to be, you know, a 45-inch waist, 15-inch biceps, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. What I need is men and women who can love. And I thought, this is so cool, because, well, Lord, I'm willing to learn. You see, that's what's so exciting about this. You, no matter who you are here today, no matter where you've been in your life, no matter what you're like, you can learn to love. You can learn to love. You can become a person that other people like, that other people admire, that other people want to be around, that other people are attracted to. You can become a person of love. If you're willing to change. Now I know some of you think to yourself, like I did, hey Mark, you know, I knew this is what you were going to talk about today. I, I know all this already, Mark. I'm a pretty loving, caring individual as far as loving and caring and things like that go. Well, before you pat your ba- yourself on the back too much, I want to ask you to really look at yourself in the mirror. Do people beat a path to your door? Can you take a meal? Without the crowds being outside. I mean, do people respond to you? Are you always trying to second guess whether people like you or not? You know, most of us spend our life like that. Most of us go through our life thinking to ourselves, I don't really matter. I mean, we're always second guessing whether people like us or not. I know people come to this church doing that. I wonder if people there really like me. I wonder if I'm a very likable person. I don't have very much to offer. But I want to tell you something. That simply isn't true. You matter. You are very significant. And you have something that if you acquire it, you have something to offer the world that the world is desperately craving and desperately looking for. And you can possess it. You can give it. I want you to ask yourself these things this week. And I want to invite you to come back next week because next week we're going to look at what love really is. You see, love is very nebulous. Okay, when I say love today, you know, I'm a loving person. You won't know you're a loving person until you come back next week and find out what I'm talking about. I think it will blow your mind. I also think it will become crystal clear to you if I became that kind of a person, people everywhere would be turned on to me. You will have confidence with people. You'll be able to walk into a room and know for a fact people are going to like me. You know, I, in, in a point in my life, by the way, I've not arrived in love. Love is a lifelong pursuit of mine. Eight years ago it began, and in 1990, at 33 and a half years old, I am still pursuing to be the kind of lover that my Lord was. And I have not arrived, but I can tell you this. I don't ever worry whether or not people are going to like me. I don't ever worry whether or not people are going to respond to me. You know why? Because the Bible says this, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. So I don't have to know, do I have the right words? Do I look right? Am I dressed right? 
I don't care if the President of the United States came to my home. Or if I was going to be with the most famous individuals in the world. I'm not worried about it. If my father or mother comes to my home. Or some distant relative comes to my home. Or you come to my home. Or you've got five doctorates behind your name. That doesn't intimidate me. Because I know that you're just like every other human being. And you desperately need love. And I know that love builds people. Not methods. Love. Love is the most powerful force in the world. And the person who possesses it will be a dynamic individual. People will like you. They will respond to you. They will admire you. As Napoleon said, I conquer men through fear, but Jesus Christ conquers men through love. You think for a moment, what would your marriage be like? What would your parenting be like? What would your job be like? What would you be like? And I be like, if we learn to love. You can learn to love. And I want to ask you to do me this favor for yourself. Stay with me for the next three weeks. Come back next week. You will find out what I mean by love. Exactly what kind of a person will flesh out love. What you need to be. And how it will affect other people. What its effect will be. You will learn in the future weeks how to develop that in your life. That's very important. It's not automatic. And you'll learn the secret source of power and love in your life. You can become a person that you've dreamed of being, that you've wanted to be, that other people will just, my goodness, they'll stand back. They'll be drawn to you like metal to a magnet. They'll be drawn to you like bees to honey. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much.